Good morning, City Light Lincoln Church. Good morning, man. Um, my name is Mo. I'm one of the pastors here. And I don't know if you were here last week, but if you were, you know that we had a wonderful Easter weekend. It was great. There was people from all over that were new here for the first time. We got to sing songs about Jesus and about his, the risen Lord. And, and we heard from Austin how we don't worship a dead hero, but a risen Savior. And so it was a, just a beautiful day. And so many new people were in the room that they were, they were taking pictures of their family members and their dogs and stuff like that, posting it all over Facebook. So I'm pretty sure Jesus' resurrection went viral last week, uh, which was an amazing task in and of itself. Um, as amazing as last week was, I don't want to lose that. Last week was a wonderful fun. It was special. It was a wonderful Sunday. However, this Sunday, today, is just as important as last Sunday. Jesus is still risen. Jesus is still bringing people to himself. Jesus is still saving people, bringing new people today. And I want to be a church that continues to celebrate the risen king. I want to be a church that celebrates that Jesus loves us so much that he would give his own life for us. I want to be a church that continues to invite people on Sunday morning and into their households so that people might hear about this Jesus. And so I want our church to be excited about the gospel week in and week out. Amen? Amen. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue in our journey through the gospel of John. And in John's gospel, in verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 31, he tells us that his, his aim is that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing this, we may have life in his name. And so last week, or two weeks ago, we're coming off of chapter 9, where Jesus comes on the scene, and what he does is a, a, an incredible miracle. He takes a man who was born blind and gives him sight. And he was doing that to illustrate the fact that he takes people and ma- takes them from being spiritually blind and gives them spiritual sight. And as we look through that, we got to see the fact that the more we start to see our sinfulness before a good and holy God, the more we get to see the beauty of Jesus and the beauty of the cross. And so in light of that, we're going to continue on, and, and I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to chapter 10 uh, in, the, in the book of John. And so in chapter 10, Jesus uses a metaphor of sheep and shepherds. So if, if, you're, if you've been a regular churchgoer, you've probably heard the metaphor of the sheep, right? Like you, if, if you haven't been a regular attender... I'm glad. You, you probably have a leg up on us a little bit because what we've heard about the sheep so often is the sheep are dumb, they're stupid, and, and they're prone to wandering, and, and they are just obs- they, they don't pay attention to what's going on, and, and they lose sight of the shepherd, which is all true. Don't get me wrong, that is all true. And so when we hear those sermons, though, we hear it, it says, okay, we're God's sheep, and so therefore we're prone to wandering. We're so easily distracted from the shepherd, and, and so here's what you need to do. You need to stop wandering, stop fixing your eyes on other things, read your Bible, let's close it up and say amen, amen? And, and, and the problem, I, I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that, that sheep aren't stupid, because they are, and, I, and I'm not saying that our life doesn't sometimes model the sheep in the first place, because it does. We are prone to wandering. We do lose sight of our shepherd. We are easily distracted. But I think sometimes we look at the Bible and we open it up and we're far too focused on ourselves and we lose sight of the fact that this book, this Bible, the Word of God is about God. And so this morning we're going to take the opportunity to fix our eyes on the Good Shepherd and His love 
for the sheep, and then the implications for the sheep, okay? So we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the true shepherd, who calls us out of uh, our lostness into life, but then he also leads us by his voice into life, and then he also gives his life for the sheep. So today isn't about the stupidity of the sheep, but the love of the true shepherd, amen? And so my first point this morning is the true shepherd calls, the true shepherd calls. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so Jesus is coming off of telling the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the shepherds of God's people, that they're blind. So he goes to the pastors of their day, the people given charge to care for, lead, and motivate the sheep of God, and calls them blind. And then if you notice in your Bible, verse, the last verse in chapter 9 and the first verse in chapter 10, there's no break, right? Jesus continues the talk. And so he goes on to say, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So simply put, he was saying these men were more worried about their own personal gain through the sheep than they were worried about caring for the sheep. And they displayed that in chapter 9 when Jesus has said, hey, there's an opportunity here. There was an opportunity for you to have compassion and love and care for a lost sheep. And what you did instead was disown them and push him away. Jesus is not playing nice with these guys. He's not playing nice, nice at all. In fact, he's calling them false shepherds and thieves and liars and And he's also calling them blind. And the reason why Jesus is doing that is because he's protective of his sheep. He's removing their position of leadership and crowning himself the good shepherd of the flock of God. And so for us to be to have a clear picture of his metaphor and what he's trying to explain to these guys, we have to know that shepherding sheep in Eastern culture, specifically in Jesus' day, is very different in the way we would shepherd sheep now. And the way that it's different is their sheep were kept in a a communal corral called a sheepfold. And typically there was a professional gatekeeper at that sheepfold that wouldn't let anyone in unless he recognized them as the shepherd of sheep. And in this communal corral, there were several different flocks. So there wasn't just one flock for one shepherd. There were actually several shepherds that would come in and get their sheep That's confusing, right? So how are you going to get a group of sheep among a group of sheep to come out? Well, guess what? These dumb sheep that we were talking about, they know their shepherd's voice. So the shepherd would come in and he would call out to his sheep and they would come to him. That's how you get them to corral and to come out of that. So these aren't fainting goats where you clap and they faint, but they're actually sheep who, are, who may be a little bit stupid, but they know the voice of their master. And so in verse 3, Jesus said that the sheep hear his voice and he calls them by name. The illustration teaches us that Jesus knows us and we know his voice if we're followers of Jesus. Jesus loves us so intimately and so genuinely. See, like Jesus is our true shepherd. Everything about you, he knows. 
everything. So he knows about all of your past sin. He knows about all of your past pains and pressures in life. He knows everything that you've done in private. He knows everything that you're going through right now. He knows the true desires of your heart that no one else knows. Which I don't know about you, but for me, that's a little invasive, right? For someone to know that much stuff about me is a little invasive, but catch this. Jesus knows all of those things. He knows them all. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And yet he says, I love you. He says, I delight in you. He calls you his child. And so if you're in the room and you've trusted Jesus for salvation and you feel like the world doesn't see you as significant, Jesus does. If you feel like no one understands the pain that you're going through, Jesus does. If you're here and you feel lost and lonely like there's no one around, well, Jesus is here. He's with you or you're not alone. And if you feel like you're unlovable because of what you've done, Jesus knows everything that you've done and says, I love you still. When Jesus calls you by name, he calls with a a great love towards you. He, He knows more intimately about you than anyone else, and yet he says, you are mine. In verse 4, it says, when the shepherd has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. So, so being a shepherd was a dangerous job, right? Because when you're a shepherd, you're leading sheep and you know there's apparent danger. There's, there's apparent danger around because wolves and other predators might be trying to get your sheep. And so in order for you to lead up front, if you know anything about leading up front, you know that you're the first responder in danger. You're the one actually where your life is the most in danger out of the entire sheepfold because you're right in front. And when Jesus leads, he doesn't lead us by saying, hey, join my family. It's going to be difficult. And I'm I'm, I'm just going to instruct you from back here and you just go ahead and go. No, what he does, he says he's already been there. He's walking ahead of you, ahead of your steps. He sees the obstacles before they get there. He's been through them. He knows the end game in front of you because he's leading from the front. And if we hear and listen to his voice, we know where he's going and where to follow. Now, Christian, the true, Christ, the, the true shepherd is calling you, but are you listening? If we are listening to the true shepherd's voice, that means that we are listening to the primary means by which he communicates, and that's the word of God. And I think some of us get caught up in this thing where it's like, man, I have an excellent relationship with God. I pray a lot. I'm doing a lot of ba-a-a-a-ing, but I'm not doing a whole lot of listening. So I want to ask you, are you hearing his voice? See, we seem to think that if we're doing a lot of the talking in a relationship, that that relationship must be going really well. Now, think about it this way. I take my wife on a a date once a week throughout the month. And I'm not perfect, so let's be honest. It's probably three weeks out of that month most of the time, all right? But I do take her out. And when I take her out, just think about it this way. If I took her out on a date this week and and we sat down and we ordered our food and we're kind of just having a conversation, and in that conversation, I don't really let her speak. I'm, I'm just telling her about my day and how hard it was or how good it was and how great lunch was with Mike and all these different things. And then I'm like, man, Austin's got some issues. Can you give me some counsel in how to help this dude? And then I, I went into it. It's like, I got some issues too. Can you help me with that? And after she consulted me and gave me some feedback and, and gave me some instruction, what I did is I, I, I 
fold, took up my napkin, I folded it up, put it on my plate and said, hey, can I have a check? We're going to go now. And then we left out without any question. Would you think that I had a good relationship with my wife? I, I certainly wouldn't think I had a good relationship with my wife because she, in that moment she wouldn't feel loved and she certainly wouldn't have felt heard. And I think that that's what we have a tendency to do with Jesus is we have a tendency to, to talk a lot about us and we don't actually listen to the voice of Jesus very often. In verse 5, it says, A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. There's a lot of voices trying to bend your ear and vying to shepherd and lead you right now. And so I have to ask the question, who are you listening to? Is it the true shepherd or is it someone else? Whoever that might be, whether it's a friend, the news, social media, or yourself, that's who actually has influence in your life. That's who's actually leading you. And so what are they leading you to? Which gets me to my second point. The true shepherd leads to life. He leads to life. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus goes deeper into the metaphor and calls himself the door, the very door that he leads sheep to. The only way out is through him. So what the shepherd would do is he would lay his body down at the door in the evening to, as a precautionary, basically to, to keep safe the sheep. He would keep wolves out by putting his body there, but then he would also keep safety and, and nourishment for the sheep in the green pastures. And so there's a real danger in this life is what he's trying to illustrate here. There's a real danger. That real danger is not having a relationship with Jesus. The real danger is to be far off from God, separated from his eternal grace that he offers. Listen, the, the good news of the gospel is an exclusive and inclusive claim. It is, it's, it is exclusive because Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the only way in. That's an exclusive claim. The only way to God the Father, the only way to be in right relationship with, with God is through Jesus. He's saying only my death, burial, and resurrection is sufficient to pay for your sin and your death. There's only one entry point. You can't buy your way in. You can't work your way in. You can't be good enough to get in. Ephesians 2.8 says it this way, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. This is an exclusive claim. But let me tell you something. It is also inclusive. It's exclusive in the fact that it is very true, and the only way to be true is to be exclusive. But it's inclusive in the fact that that invitation is for everybody. He wants to invite everyone into the sheepfold. So if you're outside the fold of God, Jesus offers you the opportunity to have a relationship with him, to have safety in life. It is for those who would trust in him for salvation. If you would confess your sin, that you've sinned against the holy God and accepted or, or in faith trusted that his death, burial, and resurrection is sufficient for your sin and mine, then he gives life. 
He's not just inviting church people or people who have it all together and, and dress nice. He's not offering up to people who, who said, hey, I've, I've shirked those things. I've stepped away from those things, and now I'll accept you. No, what he's saying is this is an inclusive gospel. He's offering anyone who would bow a knee to Jesus and give their true faith in him alone, salvation, true life. And this is not just an invitation into life, but it's also exactly where he leads his sheep. He doesn't just lead them along the way. He leads them to himself. And so if you're a Christian in the room and and you're longing for security in life, don't look any further. It's right there in the person of Jesus. Your security, your life can be found in him. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, as Hebrews 12, 2 says. The life he leads us to is only found in him. Now, what kind of life does he offer, though? Look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, we want more than just life, right? We want an abundant, we want a deep, an overflowing life that's more than just this boring activity. Jesus is offering an abundant life. Now, don't confuse this with something that it's not. It's not a message that says, hey, come to Jesus and he'll give you more stuff. Stuff doesn't give life. Sometimes I I think we buy the lie that says, man, if I get more stuff, if I get a better house and a a lot of relationships, more money, that all of a sudden I'm going to have joy and it's going to bring me life. How's that worked out for you? How's that worked out for you? After upgrading those shoes, buying the new house, getting the next promotion, did it leave you satisfied, great joy with life, or did it look or did it lead you to looking for more upgrades? Did you want more trinkets and more money afterwards? When you gave yourself over to that person because you longed for them to like you, did you come out saying, man, they're everything I wanted, everything I desired, or did they disappoint? Or did they leave you wanting for more of their affection and attention? Look at me. One person can't bear the weight of the infinite love coming from the infinite God of the universe, the creator of all things. They can't bear the weight. Sometimes we're so driven by the desire to be liked or to be loved that we miss out on the abundant love and grace that awaits us through the door that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No one, and I mean no one, knows you the way he knows you. Everyone gets a partial Facebook-friendly version of you. Everyone. And so when they give you love and affection, it's only in part by a portion of who you are. Because you might have told them or you might have explained portions of who you are. They might have been around you for a time. But what's going on in your heart of hearts, they don't know. Here's why this matters. Jesus isn't offering you a collection of more things that you can't even take with you to the grave. He's offering infinite joy, infinite peace, infinite love, and he's offering himself. That's the abundant life. Not more stuff, but more Jesus. But I want to press in and ask you something. Is this the view of Christianity or a relationship with Jesus that you have? If, if we're honest, most of us in the room either think that, we, that Christianity is this boring thing where we have to give up all of the fun and we have to give up things that feel good. And Let's be honest, we, we display that as Christianity following Jesus is boring. But here's what I want to contend with you. If that's your view of Christianity, you haven't met Jesus yet. 
Or maybe you've met him, but you haven't truly experienced him. You haven't truly known him, if that's your view. Does John 10.10 sound like an invitation to a boring life? No, it's an invitation to a full, a fulfilling, an abundant, a beautiful life that he's offering. Yes, our hearts will change and we'll start to say, no, I don't want that, but I want this. But the reason for that has nothing to do with the boring, you'll have to give up things. But what will happen is you'll start to look back and see, man, I was playing in mud pies and Jesus is offering a day at the beach. It's abundant. See, like our relationship with Jesus is the way to a truly abundant life. When you hear his voice and follow him, he doesn't lead you to the same junk that the world offers. No, when, when the true shepherd leads, he leads to true life. And it's at a great expense to himself. So my third point is the shepherd gives his life. The shepherd gives his life. We're going to pick it up in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep, and I have the other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd." For this reason, the Father loves me, and because I lay down my life that I may take it up again, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This is my charge I have received from the Father. So in that day, it was common, if you had other responsibilities and things to take care of, you you would contract out the shepherding of your sheep for a period of time. And when you would contract out those people, they would watch over your sheep. But when things got real, all of a sudden they're gone because they don't have the same investment. It made sense. I'm an hourly worker and not the shepherd who loves my sheep. And so therefore they would bail when trouble would come. So when dangers come, they're out. But Jesus, being the true shepherd, doesn't operate in that way. He's not a hired hand. He's not a contract shepherd. We are his sheep. Verse 14 and 15 actually give us a reference of how personally he knows us or is involved in our life. Here's what it says. I know my own and my own know me. Get this. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. What an unbelievable statement. Think about it. All of eternity, who's existed? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Together in union, the closest bond possible. And he says, I know you like that. I am so deeply and overwhelmingly depend, I mean, not dependent, sorry, deeply and overwhelmingly in love with you that I know you in this way. The no here is actually a no that is used in reference in the Bible to the husband and the wife and their union together. That's how much he knows you. He knows you like this, not because of something that you've done for him, but because he has chosen to love you. He chooses to pursue and know you and I in this way. Romans 5, 8 expresses his love in this way. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The love that, is, that he's talking about right here is actually shown and talked about four times in our passage. Verse 11, verse 15, verse 17, and verse 18. Jesus devoted his entire earthly life to you and me. 
He devoted all of his ministry to you and I. And then when it came down to it, he gave his life for us. He ended it. He chose to lay his life down on his own initiative. And so the soldiers at Gethsemane, they didn't capture Jesus. He could have sent 10,000 angels down to just off those dudes, but instead he gave himself over. When Pilate wanted to give him over to be beaten, he wasn't given over by Pilate. Jesus walked in the door himself. He gave himself over to be beaten. And the cross didn't take Jesus' life. He gave it up himself. Out of his deep and affectionate love for you and I, for me and you, that's what Jesus did. And the word good in verse 11 that Jesus used is, is, is not, when he's talking about the kind of shepherd that he is, it's not like the moral goodness, meaning he does everything right. It's actually a different word. It's the word that means beauty. And so when he says, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the beautiful shepherd. I'm willing to lay my life down for you as a, a perfect sacrifice because I love you. And I'll raise it up again so you can have true life. It happened. It was real. We just celebrated. He laid down his life to save us, the sheep, from something far worse than wolves, thieves, or robbers. He laid down his life to save us from the eternal judgment that we deserve. He didn't do this for certain kind of sheep either. Look at verse 16. It says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So... There will be one flock and one shepherd. So when it says, I have sheep that aren't of this fold, he's, what he's talking about is an expanded flock of God. Because think about it. In this moment, he's only talking to ethnic Jews. And so when he talks to those ethnic Jews, he's blowing their mind by saying, hey, this might have been the preferential treatment that God has given, but I'm about to expand that beyond ethnic boundaries. And so when we've said it time and time again that Jesus came to expand beyond ethnic boundaries and choosing his people, that's a beautiful shepherd. The beauty of Jesus and the cross is that not only does it give us reconciliation between us and God the Father, but it also gives us reconciliation among ourselves. Paul talks about it with the Jews and the Gentiles. Remember, Jews and Gentiles don't get along. They don't like each other. But here's what he says to them in Ephesians 2, 17 through 19. He says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, Gentile, and peace to those who were near, Jew. For through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Jesus came to reconcile us together as a family so there might be one sheep and one God and one shepherd. He did, he did this by abolishing the sacrificial systems of the Jews. See, that sacrificial system had the sheep dying for the shepherd, but in this one, in the new system, the shepherd died for the sheep. Praise God. But listen, in this, where he says, I have more sheep, that's good news. Because he's saying, I have more sheep beyond the people that are in this room. That should get us excited because that means my neighbor or my coworker or your friend or your classmate could be one of those sheep. That should conjure up an excitement to say, hey, I'm quick to invite people to dinner. I'm quick to invite people into my life. But let's be honest. Let's ask the question, how many people do you associate with or are you friends with that aren't Christians? Do you spend time regularly with people that aren't in the fold of God or don't ascribe themselves to being shepherded by the Lord Jesus? 
If not, how are we supposed to invite more sheep into the fold of God? Invite more sheep and point them to the true shepherd. I want to invite us to do this together. To be on mission together, to see that there are people out there that do not know Jesus, and we want to invite them to the fold of God. There is room for them. We want Jesus to know them. We want them to know Jesus. So, City Light, Jesus is calling. Are you hearing his voice? Are you responding to the voice by following him, or are you listening to other voices and obeying them instead? He's offering an abundant life through himself, not one of more stuff, but more Jesus. Do you want more of Jesus, or do you just want more of his stuff? Do you want the gift or the gift giver? Our good shepherd laid down his life so that we might have life. Jesus is the leader of this church. Not Austin, not me, not our staff. Jesus is the leader of this church. And so when you look at the apparent success of our church, it's not because of our leadership. It's because of Jesus. This is his church. The leaders of Israel, the Pharisees that we were just talking about, failed to shepherd the flock of God. And like them, we are called to be shepherds, leaders of the church. But we also fail in our shepherding which is why we all have to fix our eyes on the true shepherd. We have to fix our eyes on the perfect shepherd who laid down his life for you and for me. We are his sheep. He's the good shepherd that calls us, leads us to life, and lays down his life for us. Amen? Let's pray.